Hey, y'all. Welcome back to From the Flybridge. This is your host, Lexi Creary. Today, we're going to hear from the President Ellen Peel and Peter Chibansai, Director of Conservation at the Billfish Foundation. We're going to dive into some really hot topics, such as the shark problem we are facing when reeling in billfish, how longliners, if allowed back into closed zones, would be affecting all pelagic species, and the positive impact of the tagging program. I can promise you when you finish this episode, you're going to be inspired to make a difference and on your way to billfish.org to buy a tagging stick. Let's jump right in. Today, we're going to switch it up and I'm going to start off with a question for you listeners. Right now, wherever you're at, I challenge you to think about a time when you are holding a $1,000 check, $500,000 check, or even a $1 million check at a billfish tournament. Or even the moment you watched your son or your daughter release the first sailfish and how that moment felt to you as you watched that. And when you're thinking about this memory, what would you say if I told you without the Billfish Foundation's research and advocacy that you couldn't fish tomorrow? I'm going to say, I'd imagine you would say, well, why didn't you do something about that? And today we are going to hear who is behind making that possible and continuing this great sport. Thank you both for being here. We are so happy to have you. Thank you for including us. Yeah, it's our pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Let's jump right in. Ellen, let's start with you. Tell us your title. How long have you been with the Billfish Foundation and a little bit about your background? Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And thank you for all the listeners who are tuning in. I'm uh, my background is law. I have a regular JD and then advanced law degree, which is uh, a master's in law in marine resources. I've been the president of TBF for 25 years. And the reason this all came about is I started bill fishing and found it to be an amazing passion. And so at that point, I decided to go to law school and pursue how I could do something to help bill fishing and billfish conservation. So that's when I got the two law degrees and went to Washington and worked for a while, came to St. Petersburg, and then in 1996, ended up in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, with the Billfish Foundation. And now, you know, while I'm passionate to fish, what I have found because of all the issues and challenges to bill fishing, I found that, you know, I have turned that passion primarily to fight every day to ensure that you can keep fishing for billfish because other governments are, and including our government, does not give billfish a priority. So I'm, as Pat Healy says, I'm the dog with the bone (laughs) on the issue to make sure you can keep sport fishing and boating. We can hear your passion. We know you're not backing down and you are clearly the reason, you know, behind the progress that you have made through the Billfish Foundation along with your team. And I want to bring to light, aren't you a first generation fisherman? (laughs) Yes, I am in my family. I had a lot of baseball players, you know, but I'm the first angler in the family. And sometimes that's puzzling, you know, at holiday discussions. But yes, I'm all fish. I love that because most of us are inspired by our family members. You grew up on a boat. This was purely from the bottom of your heart, your passion of fishing and what you've done with it is incredible. Well, thank you. You know, I just hope that anglers understand 
TBF is a sport fishing conservation group. We are not an environmental group. You know, we're not about hugging fish. We're about fighting for keeping some fish in the water to support tournaments, to support the wide array of industries associated, and most importantly, to support the thrill you get when you build fish. There's nothing like that adrenaline, is there? No. Peter, you work alongside Ellen every day. She's being a little humble about her background. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, she mentioned the fact that she's been with TBF for 25 years, but a lot of people don't understand how much influence that she actually has over the past 25 years. You know, she was appointed by a past administration as the lead negotiator for the recreational industry on an international realm. Um, And that in itself is impressive. She was appointed because she has not only that influence, but that knowledge and that rapport with not only governmental agencies, but um, other, uh, other organizations and foundations to where she can take her knowledge and utilize that to benefit our industry and our community. That's an inspiration to me. And I hope everyone listening felt the same way I did when I heard that. And that leads us into Peter. Tell us about your background. How long have you been with the Billfish Foundation? And how did this come about? Sure. So um, I I grew up in New Jersey, uh, a little far away from here, but it sounds like a lot of people from Florida come from New Jersey anyway. Yes. Uh, we're like cockroaches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but we love to come down here and we I just planted my my feet down here, uh, planted my roots down here. Uh, I have my, uh, my, met my wife down here in grad school. Uh, I have a dual degree in marine science and policy. Uh, from the University of Miami, and from my uh, from my schooling, uh, from my grad work, I started working with TBF, and I always knew that I wanted to work for. Um, I had in my mind, excuse me, what I wanted to do after grad school. I wanted to work for an international nonprofit, and I wanted to work specifically with a organization that I could be not only creative but somewhat uh, effective, and not just another. Just an, not not just another piece, right? Like if you're working for uh, other organizations, like bigger firms or something like that, you tend to sometimes be kind of lost. But what's fantastic uh, about working for TBF for over 15 years now, actually, is that uh, Ellen is a fantastic boss. TBF has given me so much opportunity to do so many so many great things, not only for the community but for myself. I've seen myself grow so much throughout throughout my time here. And that's all because of the foundation, because of Ellen. You sounded like you knew exactly what you wanted. And tell me how working for the Billfish Foundation has fulfilled that. Yeah. So I had the I had the pleasure of working for um, some municipal governments and some state governments beforehand, uh, before I went to grad school. And I knew that's not where I wanted to go just because of all the red tape and bureaucracy. And I knew that um, I've always been drawn to the water ever since I was a little kid. We had a little pond close by and we'd always just throw, you know, uh, throw a little bait to get, I think it was just catfish or whatever we could, whatever we could get. And it was fantastic. And, um, I've always been drawn to the water to where even when my mom would pick me up from school, uh, one of her partners, he had, um, a beautiful 200 gallon fish tank and he's also called Dr. Fishkin, uh, which was just, you know, very, 
copacetic kind of thing. And I thought it was just fantastic. And my mom would always say, Peter, I always knew you were going to do something marine or water related because I could leave you in front of that fish tank for hours and she could do work and I would just be like looking. You were just just drawn to it. Just drawn to it. And I knew basically at a really early age that I wanted to do something marine conservation related or at least water related. And this really fulfilled a lot of those varied passions. And it was water. I could be very creative. um, And the aspect of being out there and being able to talk to people you know, and that's one of the great aspects of this job is you get to meet so many amazing people. And I think what I think a lot of people don't understand about this community, if you're not part of the community, is how generous, how kind, and how amazing and upfront and just caring people are here. Uh, they're willing, obviously, to listen to you, but they're the aspect of how close knit this community is, is second to none. When I talk to my friends and finance and all other things like that, there's there's no comparison between our community and this one. And every time I, I have the opportunity to to talk up this community, I, I try to because it's like we've talked about before, Ellen, it's like if you have the opportunity to take someone out fishing that's never gone out fishing to experience this community, they'll almost like that, they'll snap and they'll see, oh, now I understand where you're coming from. Now I understand what you're fighting for. It's not just the fish. It's everything else that comes with fishing. It's all the extracurricular aspects or all the intrinsic uh, and extrinsic parts of it. Um, and for a lot of people, they don't understand that until they, they come on a boat. Yeah, and they, they're able to get on a boat and to really see what it's like. Maybe not even a boat, just to see the excitement of you know, their grandson or yourself catching your first fish. So. You described the fishing industry perfectly, the camaraderie that is in a room or, you know, even just on a boat and anywhere we go. I love the way that you described that. And also the years that you both have put in at the Billfish Foundation, very impressive, 15 years, 25 years. I think that speaks volumes. Uh, But I know that there's a funny story that has something to do with peanut butter, and I (laughs) need to hear this. Sure. So I talked before, because Ellen's a little shy about mentioning the fact that she was part of ICAT, which is this uh, regional fisheries management organization, which basically manages all the international stocks of fish. Um, And she was appointed, like I said, uh, and she got to travel for six years to many exotic places that people would die to go to like Tokyo, like Japan or Morocco and uh, Spain and Azores, all these beautiful places. And I remember she came into the office. She's frantically like packing everything because uh, we we're uh, she's getting ready to leave, obviously. And then the staff and I, we kind of peek in and we're just like, what is what is, is that a, two loaves of bread, two loaves of bread. And then someone else picks it up and like, oh my God, there's a gigantic uh, jar of peanut butters. <laughs> and we begin to ask her, we're like, why are you bringing all of this stuff? And she's just like, you can never be too prepared for what you're going to be in store for in terms of food. And it's like, okay, <laughs> all right. Alan, did you speak to this peanut butter? Is it you? You just weren't down with the with the uh, cuisine anywhere else, so you're just like, I need I need to know that I can always have a peanut butter sandwich. Well, I have a very timid palate. I grew up in the South, and there's a wide range of Southern food that I love. There's che- no cheese grits in cheese Morocco. grits and fried <laughs> shrimp, you know, from the Gulf of Mexico. And I knew I couldn't order that there. So, if you carry a big jar of 
jiffy peanut butter extra crunchy. You always have plenty of protein, and it'll carry through many situations. And so I relied on Jif extra crunchy peanut butter, and still do to this day. Travel tips from Ellen. I was about to say she should be she should be uh, uh, one of their public. Promoter, promoter right? Yeah, or right Jiffy? There, Jiffy, right yes. there. Yeah, Jiffy, reach out to Ellen. She's your girl. <laughs> Biggest fan. Take us through the history of how the Billfish Foundation came about, Ellen. Well, it was the result of energy and concern from anglers. Anglers who had fished for years, anglers who had improved not only their skills, but their equipment. And what they were ex realizing was, even with all these advantages, the more they fish, they were catching fewer marlin. Now, admittedly, some of these anglers had high-profile names like Rockefeller and Tyson, uh, fish scientist Dr. Prince, Tim Choate, Aji Vicente from Puerto Rico. And so, but they had large groups of friends, and they all started talking and exchanging stories of, yes, I've got all these great rods, electronics, I'm catching fewer fish. So, but they had never heard anything from the government of what is the status of Marlin in the Atlantic? And that's when they brought the scientists in. And he said, well, here's reality. The U.S. government and the rest of the world give a very low profile to billfish. And so Mr. Rockefeller and the team said, well, how do we change that? We need to have more information. And he was told, the international organization that Peter referenced earlier needs some funds to advance billfish research, specifically workshops where they calculate the abundance of fish in the water. And those are referred to as stock assessments. And so what they do, based on reported landings over decades, they compare what was caught in 1960, perhaps, and what is, was caught, say, in 1980. And if there's a big difference in decline, that's the first indication that the stocks or populations are declining. And that's what they saw. Billfish today remain a low priority with all governments, including the United States. If you think about it, fish that are landed on commercial boats and are sold there are so many opportunities, and they are taken advantage of to collect data. And so once they know that, they know so much more about, Bilf, about the other species' life, history, you know, age and growth, and all these things that are basic biological data points. Billfish, not so. And that's why it's so important for anglers, the whole fishing team, to work with us to help improve data so that we know more about the species. I think one other thing to kind of hit it home as well, too, for 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 you guys uh, and the listeners is the aspect that we're still learning things all the time about these billfish. And what I mean by that is we did a study probably about, uh, what, three or four years ago, uh, the largest blue marlin uh uh, study in the Atlantic, uh, I think 1,700 hard parts to learn about the life history of blue marlin in the Atlantic. Is that correct, Ellen? Well, actually, there was 2,600 hard parts, which are skeletal parts that science, we had scientists evaluate. Yeah, and it was the, the largest study ever done for blue marlin in the Atlantic ever. And we, we, we had this study done, and it's never been done before. 
Uh, and that's just crazy to think about. And Ellen was hitting it home right to where even to this day, you know, we had for a while, we had one dedicated billfish scientist at NOAA. He is now retired over probably five, six years now. And there's no one that has taken his place. There's no priority for that. And the other aspect, which we can kind of hang our hat on, but it's also puts a lot of stress on TBF, is the fact that we are one of the largest funders for Billfish Research uh, currently. So we would love to have the federal government or other governments help us fund some of this research because because of the fact there's so much more to learn. Because billfish is a bycatch species and not a commercially marketed species, there's still so much to learn about them. And let me put that in, in some perspective. You know, the word stock assessment and calculating abundance can make your eyes roll backwards, but it is the result of those calculations upon which all management decisions rest. TBF has a scientist who another top scientist described as this. TBF has stock assessment scientists that's in the top three in the world. The other two are dead. TBF is serious about this. We put your money back on the fish, not on buildings and not on other accessories. We put it back in the water so that you can keep fishing. I love that. And Am I understanding correctly that you're truly carrying this on your back with what you were talking about, Peter? You, you're really, you know, being the wave pavers here for the research and, like you said, to continue the data and to keep these fish growing. There's really no one else doing it. And that's what I want listeners to understand. Yeah. And that's the best way to put it. Yeah, no, I, I would say you're, you're 100% spot on. It's a little sad to say that. Like I said, I, I wish that. Uh, our government or other people would understand the fact that, like Ellen was saying, that the the money that's being, uh, you know, as members or as donors come into TBF, that goes directly back into the sport and into the science and research. Captains, anglers, owners, I want you to hear me right now and hit the most important thing, and we touched on it very little earlier, and that is that. We want you to know that this is not an environmental group. This mission is to keep these tournaments thriving and, you know, keep this sport thriving, keep you winning money, keep you making memories with your family. Can you speak to that? You know, tell us the main goal behind the Billfish Foundation that we are referencing as TBF. Well, you know, obviously it is to conserve the species. However, what that really means is conserving the species so that we know they're fish in the water is your best insurance for continued fishing opportunities and to ensure the same for your grandchildren one day and great-grandchildren. It's as easy as that. We are your voice and we are your insurance. That's what we want to succeed at. So let's tell people, you know, some perspective of the heavy hitters that are stand behind this cause. I want to name drop so that people in our industry understand who the front runners supporting this foundation are. And that is Pat Healy, the owner of Viking Yachts, Sandra McMillan, Louis Bacardi. They have sponsors like Garmin Electronics, Yeti, Costa Del Mar. They are sponsored by Casa Vieja. If you haven't been there, it's an incredible lodge in Guatemala that has an unbelievable 
amount of fish and it's just like I'm I'm dying to get there. Like I want to go to Casa Vieja so bad. And these are the organizations, you know, people and, you know, successful business owners, fishermen, doesn't matter, that stand behind this because they understand the importance. And these heavy hitters backing this cause, if you fish, you should want your name on that list. I was about to say, I mean, you said it perfectly. They stand behind conservation. They they understand our mission of everything that we're doing is to the benefit, obviously, of the sport, but obviously... And the end game is for them at, at the same time. They are a business. They understand that conservation pays. And I don't want to, I also want to mention the fact that there are a number of tournaments too that are big, big time supporters and clubs, you know, whether it's the Orange Beach Billfish Classic, uh, whether it is the Pensacola Big Game Club, you know, there are a number of great tournaments and clubs that do support us. And they understand that, like Alan was saying, and like you were saying, Lexi, is the fact that conservation pays and if they understand that if other other tournaments and uh corporations or organizations want to really understand that please feel free to give us a give us a call or talk to these other organizations see how those see how relationships with them work i think the other sponsors our other sponsors would say that we treat them very well um and they have and they understand why they're doing um why they're supporting us. Well, and and add to that, you know, if you fish tournaments, which most people who billfish do, check with your tournament director. Many, you know, are supporters of Billfish Foundation because they realize if they're not fishing the water for all of their paying participants, they may as well go bowling. I was once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, seriously. And so, it, you know, to inform yourself and know that who you are giving big bucks to is putting, investing the money for your future and your grandchildren's future. And so, you know, we're proud of the tournaments that support us and we hope that you help raise the awareness of the importance with other tournament directors. Yeah. I mean, you think about just some of the local tournaments here, whether it's the Buccaneer Cup or the Ladies Fish Off, you know, those are two local tournaments that that help us out here and they have um, for, for, quite some time now at a, at, a, at a nice level. So those are the tournaments and organizations that we want you guys to participate in. Sign up because every time that you sign up and register for those tournaments or become a member of their club or purchase a pair of glasses or whatever, that helps them, but also helps us in the long term as well. And the same applies to sponsors. You know, many sponsors, I was having lunch the other day with, you know, one and they made a statement. I'm assuming that, you know, all the tournaments support you. And I said, well, what I think we have to do is make sure that we better inform the sponsors that the money they're giving the tournaments, if they want to see the best return on their investment, is to suggest that the tournament director make sure they donate to TBF. Like I said, we're your best insurance and their best insurance. Let's talk about the pelagic species that we're conserving or doing the conservation for. And my point to that is let's talk about the adrenaline, a sailfish. You know, when you're catching a sailfish, let's talk about that experience and really remember the why. You know, like I'll never forget my first sailfish, my first blue marlin I, my first blue marlin I caught in Costa Rica. Uh, it was the most incredible experience of my life. Like I was, you know, so anxious in the cockpit, just sitting back, like waiting, you know, for that to hit. And when it happened, it's indescribable. Talk about, you know, what fish you are collecting data on and just the fun of it. 
well, you know, I caught a black marlin in Panama a few years ago, and it's like, wahoo! Heck <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's such an amazing adrenaline rush, and people can describe this in all sorts of colorful ways, but it's really true. The rush is fantastic. And so all of the billfish species, you know, we need data on and hope that anglers will continue tagging or start tagging if they haven't yet. But, you know, it is so exciting and yet, you know, most countries could care less about them. And so we know anglers care about it because of the excitement, and we want that excitement to still be part of your life. I think the other thing to add to that, and not to kind of be a broken record here and kind of repeating myself, but I think the other aspect of it is catching it, being able to catch it. That is like the ah oh, moment. It's the, like the crowning achievement, right? But it's... It's not even that. It's to the point to where you get on the boat, you get out on the water with your buddies or by yourself. And even if you don't catch that fish, it's still pretty awesome to see. If you even see it in the spread, is it disappointing that you might not catch it? Of course. But to even be in the presence of a fish of that magnitude, I just, just thinking about if you see a blue marlin in the spread and it just, you know, chomps down and just thinking about the sheer power that these things have, right? And understanding how magnificent these creatures are and the fact that you are going one-on-one -on -one with these things. And granted, yes, you're not wrestling these things, but in a sense you are, right? And it's just an amazing experience to hopefully, like I said before, to take someone out that's never been able to actually experience that. That is what I always like to say, to be able to transfer that that experience and that, um, not knowledge, but that experience and just be able to envelop them in that, in that feeling, right? I can't describe it right now because I'm kind of speechless on what it's, what it feels like, but Absolutely. Right, uh, it, it's, it's that feeling that you want to, to have that, that new person feel. So while we're talking and visualizing that fish at the transom of the boat, you know, you've caught the fish and landed it. That brings us into the perfect topic. And that is tagging billfish. Peter, please tell us when did this tagging program start? The Billfish Foundation, you know, prides itself as the leader of this. What is the importance of tagging? Walk us through everything. How do you tag? You know, what is conventional tagging? Walk us through it. Sure. So first, first and foremost, uh, so if the fish comes up, um, you're going to bring it as close as possible, as carefully as possible. You we prefer that you don't uh, tag a green or jumping fish for obvious reasons. You don't want to hurt the fish and you don't want to hurt yourself. Uh, there are many instances where I've seen um, sometimes funny, sometimes not where uh, anglers or crew can get actually injured uh, if they don't do it right. You know, you hopefully have a, um, a mate. If you don't have a mate or someone else to help you to tag the fish, if you're going out by yourself, please bring the... Um, Bring the line as close as you can, and you want to tag the uh, you want to tag uh, the marlin or sailfish or spearfish, basically on the side of the dorsal. Um, we have a explain if you haven't seen that what where that is. So the dorsal, uh, sorry about that. The dorsal is basically the fin on the quote unquote back of the fish. Um, it is between the eyes and the back part of it. If that helps visualize it a little bit more. Um, 
and it's above the lateral line. And the lateral line for people that don't fish or don't know about fish biology, it is an actual line that goes across the fish. You want to go above the lateral line and below the dorsal fin, right between that area. And that is the that is the bullseye area. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to uh, tag it in the gills or anywhere else because of the fact it could potentially injure or kill the fish. And the reason this tagging program is so important, which started in 1990, by the way, um, the reason why the tagging pro uh, program is so important is because it gives us so much information. And that information ranges from not only migration, growth rates, post-release mortality, um, but then also gives us some basic understanding of effort um, and really gives us so much uh, information just to give the listeners an understanding of how this data is being used. It's not only being used for stock assessments, post-release mortality, but going back to what we know about these fish in general is a majority, about 60% to 70% of what we know about billfish comes from tagging programs like TBF. And just for you to understand that as well. So, um, while that seems, I, I always think that's kind of mind blowing because people have loved to fish for these things since for, for millennia, right? Uh, but we still don't know basic life history, basic knowledge about uh, uh, about these fish, and we're still learning these things. And that's what these conventional tags do. You can buy them. Um, what is a conventional tag? So conventional tags are. Uh, basic spaghetti tags. They have no electronics in it. Um, and you can get them through our website and it's about $3 a, $3 a piece. And you can get all the tagging equipment there as well. And what these do, you basically put the uh, conventional tag, the spaghetti tag or traditional tag, otherwise known as, on a uh, tagging stick, which has an applicator or a needle. And then you basically deploy that or insert that, like I said, into the uh, in between the dorsal and lateral line of the marlin. What will happen, like I said, what we ask for within some of the data from the tagging program is the biological information, the species, the date, location, what's the estimated weight or length. Um, and then we try to get the um, contact information of the individual as well. And that's really important because when these fish get recaptured. And the recapture aspect of the traditional tags is the most important piece. It basically closes the loop, right? So you have a point A to point B. So now you can say, okay, this this sailfish went from uh, Miami, Florida and was recaptured in Cuba. So now we have a point A to point B. We have an estimated weight and length as well. So we can say, okay, this, this fish also grew 20 pounds in the past two years. And it helps Give, give that information. Um, and just for the listeners to understand, we have since 1990, nearly 223,000 tagged fish what? globally. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to think about that. And over, we want more. And we want more. Like I said, we are always striving to get more tags in there. Um, it's not as fancy as our satellite tags. And the reason being uh, is because satellite tags, there's a larger expense to it. Uh, it's from $3 to 5,000, um, that's a big difference. Uh, but the traditional tags are very, very important for us to get information. And I'd like to add and remind the fishing teams, it is so important while getting the tag in properly is fantastic once you have that fish alongside the boat. But you want to make certain you resuscitate a fish. You want to make sure that you 
carry or drag the fish along at a low RPM so that oxygen flows over and through the gills. So this fish revives because popping a dart in something that becomes a dart in the bottom of the ocean is not helpful. Great point. Make certain, please, you know, to take the time to resuscitate that fish. I will I will also add to the just as important to resuscitating once you resuscitate your fish to report the data. We have instances where people have tagged fish and do not report the data and it provides us no information if that fish gets recaptured. We have no information to tie that to. So we always implore you guys if for those people that tag, please make sure you immediately fill out those cards either online or sorry, you either fill out those cards or you go online to fill them out. And we're going to link all of this information in the description. You can find it right now and you can go, you know, find where you can purchase these cards, purchase these convention old tags. And, you know, the satellite tagging, as we discussed, is a lot more expensive. You know, they're up to $5,000. They give us a lot more data. But Peter, tell me your personal coolest tag story. Sure. So, so my personal story. So a couple of years ago, several years ago now, uh, we were fishing a colleague of mine. Um, we were fishing in Isla Mujeres um, with uh, Captain Fingatti on the qualifier, and we had a. Uh, we were prepared for a pretty epic trip already because you gotta let a, people know that's Mexico. Sorry, Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Excuse me. A beautiful spot off the Yucatan. We're spoiled. We fish I'm everywhere. Sorry. We I'm gotta sorry. tell people where you're at. <laughs> you gotta be specific. So we were flying to Isla Mujeres, uh, Mexico, uh, right off the coast of the Yucatan by Cancun, um, and I remember we were ready for an epic trip because. Uh, captain Gaddy is is already a hoot. He's a great captain, and his mate at the time was fantastic, and he was just really hyping everything up. So we were, we were getting ready. And uh, I remember we get on the boat uh, for our first day of fishing for three days. And uh, Captain Gaddy comes to me and he just says, hey, Peter, come over here. He's like, hey, uh, I need to know uh, what's the best day that you've ever had sail fishing? I was like, I don't know, Cap, I think six or seven. He's like, Peter, if we don't get that in the first hour, you can get off this boat. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, excuse me? And the next thing you know, we drop the lines in like probably 10 minutes later and we get a double header. And by the end of that trip, uh, Andrew Cox and I, my colleague, uh, we ended up catching 98 sailfish, oh tagged gosh. 55. And on the last day, <laughs> we were just like, I think we've had enough sailfish. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to take that last half day to swim with the sailfish. So we we found some bait balls and we just uh, we just jumped in the bait balls with them. And to say it was exhilarating and terrifying would be the perfect analogy because as you can imagine, you see all of these sailfish, which are beautiful creatures, you know, with the sails, like they're corralling everything and swimming right through, like zooming through, obviously the fastest fish in the ocean. I call them ocean cheetahs, right? <laughs> but the fact that. that they're zooming right through these bait balls and then you're kind of going on the side of the bait balls and all of a sudden, like Andrew and I look at each other and like, are we, are, are we going to be okay here? And the next thing we know is... There's a hilarious video, or maybe not so hilarious, kind of scary video of one coming directly at Andrew and then turning at the last second. Oh my gosh. Um, so needless to say, he probably had to change his pants after that, <laughs> but it made for a great story. And it was a fantastic experience to where just seeing these creatures in their element, you know, doing what they had to do and really getting a 
even more an appreciation for these fish. Um, so that that's just uh, th- that's one of the aspects of the. But sorry, going back to the actual tagging aspect of it is so we tagged fifty five out of ninety eight there, something crazy like that. And I remember we we talked to Captain Gaddy and a couple of the other uh, captains that were in Isa at the docks and they said, oh, all of these sailfish, they're all residential. What are you doing tagging them? There's no reason to do that. They thought they stay right there. They thought they just stayed right there within about a 10 to 20 mile, uh, square mile radius. And the next thing we know, a year later, uh, we get a call from Miami saying, hey, I've recaptured TBF tag, blah, 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 blah. And then Andrew and I look it up and we're like, Holy cow, this is your tag, Andrew, from Isla and made it all the way to Miami. And I was joking around. He's like, what did you do? He's following you now all the way here to Miami. (laughs) Uh, But we had two or three other recaptures from that very trip all throughout the Caribbean. And I just remember talking the year later, going back and talking to some of the other captains and saying, See, this is this is why we do what we do because your assumptions are not always right, and to be able to get this information is so important. While it might not seem like it's you know kind of a a ho hum kind of thing to do, it's so important for us to consistently learn about these creatures. All right, we're gonna hit the hottest topic that I feel is very important to speak about right now. We've all experienced this frustration right now, and that has been you know, tournament fishermen, charter fishermen, any angler, we're experiencing a huge problem of sharks eating billfish when we're reeling them in. That costs us thousands of dollars. It also just, you know, it can just ruin a regular day and also, you know, it makes us sad to see us lose that fish that we were going to release. Can you please educate us on what your foundation is doing to help change that, what your thoughts are on it? Like, this is a buzzing topic. Yeah, so we've we've been talking with captains and crews about this for probably about two to three years now, I believe, at this point. And we have, I'd like to say we've taken a lead on it to where we are going to be getting some data to really create a baseline. Because right now, all we have is hearsay and we can't do anything with that. So right now, we are we are now creating, um, or will be creating, excuse me, in the very, very near future, um, a way for anglers to help us out, our community to basically help us out in another way, not only by tagging, obviously, billfish, but when they encounter sharks, they will be able to enter that information for us so that we can provide this data as evidence, as hard evidence, not only by saying, hey, I encountered a shark here, but also if you have video or for a photographic evidence, all of that will be all of that will be used and um, compartmentalized to where we can utilize that to show not only other individuals, but those within power to say, hey, we need to really step up. And not only that, we're not only building that uh, that database up uh, or creating that database, but we're also been a part of a number of meetings at the federal as well as state level to make sure that our community is actually heard on these issues because of the fact that for too long, <laughs> this has been a problem. And because trips are ruined, not only by the locals, but but by people but coming down here to fish. And it's not only pelagics too, it's you know, bottom fish as well. So it is not only a, a billfish problem, it is a multi-species problem here. And let me add that, you know, we so appreciate all of you out there who have sent in photos of unfortunately billfish and other species that have been bitten, you know, in two. And we are, you know, beating the National Marine Fisheries Service figuratively over the head. Their uh, 
conundrum is Congress told them they have to recover shark species. And TBF is pushing on the Hill, that means Capitol Hill in D.C., to lower that recovery threshold. If you think you got to bring the stock all the way back up to the full glass, by that time, the sailfish and other species that have been taken will become the poster child. Now, the agency staff are very pro-shark conservation. I know all of you or many of you who have been following this understand that. So keep your photos coming in. Report the data through our portal. But be assured, we are letting congressmen know and the agency know that something has to change. This isn't all about a happy shark fishing world. You know, this is about sport fishing. And it's a huge industry across the world, but specifically in the United States, that we want to see have the opportunity to take clients out and have a productive, complete trip. One more, one more quick thing, too. This is all being self-funded, again, because the government would not give us money to do this. They said, if you want to do this, go ahead and do it on your own dime. So we are doing this to make sure that the recreational community is being heard and we have the evidence to back it up. We're all about evidence and all about hard evidence to show that we are not doing hearsay. We're actually, we have the actual evidence to show you that this is actually happening. So I want to, once again, hit that over people's heads to understand that we are self-funding this. Um, and it's a very important thing for the listeners to understand that the money that comes to TBF is being utilized at its full and maximum capacity. And I like to say, money you give to TBF goes back into the water on the fish. It doesn't go to big office buildings or fancy salaries. It goes back for your benefit. So you heard it. The way to help you know, approach this problem of sharks so we can all agree is a problem. The Billfish Foundation is standing behind the fact that we are trying to eliminate this issue. They need your support financially and they need your support by submitting data, submitting photographs, you know, that you heard it here today. So next time that you've experienced it or we're complaining about it, I've done it. It's the most frustrating thing, especially in a money tournament. That fish can be worth a hundred grand. It can be worth 200 grand. It can be worth a million dollars. If you want that to change, please take action. You heard it here from them on how to do that. And that, you know, that leads me into, tell me about successes. We're talking about frustrations, the Billfish Foundations. What are, give me two of the greatest successes that you've had on your journey through, you know, collecting data and, you know, preserving what we have and making sure that it's here in the future. Well, two, what art experiences where we defeated two attempts by environmental groups, which TBF is not one, to have white marlin listed under the Endangered Species Act. Now, that's a federal law. And let me make it clear. If any fish is listed under that act, depending on the level, there are two. There's endangered and there's threatened. If it were to show up as endangered, it means none of us can put a line in the water because it would legally become a, quote, take. That means you've disrupted the fish's environment. So all of us, whether we're commercial fishing or recreation, you are tied to the dock. The other level, which is less severe threatened, though, would still put greater restraints on all of us. TBF is about responsible fishing. 
you know, we're the leader on billfish conservation. And if our science had shown they were in that type of trouble, we would have started, you know, curtailing regulations and making measures to ensure the species continues. And so those are two big victories, you know, that we are proud of. Now, pay attention here. An environmental group, actually a bunch of them, just recently submitted a petition to have short fin mako listed. Now, guess what? If that's listed, howdy doody, we're all going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we are thinking because other species have not been listed that that will not be successful. But never, ever sit and quietly thinking they're not doing anything. They never sleep. Literally, they're always watching out and they have a great number of people. I mean, these environmental groups have 100, 200,000 members. And so they have the money, they have the attorneys and the scientists to push all these things. So defeating two environmental uh, attempts to list has we're very proud of. As you should be. That's an incredible accomplishment. And I'm sure everyone fishing the White Marlin Open thanks you. Well, I certainly hope so because, uh, you know, this year, or I'm sorry, last year, there was great concern in our community. The government reported that the U.S. recreational fishery had exceeded its internationally allocated and U.S. government agreed upon allocation of 250 marlin, Atlantic marlin. That means blue and white added together. And that if we had exceeded that, whether you're fishing in Timbuktu, Dominican Republic, U.S. law follows your boat. And so if fish are landed and killed and exceed that limit, guess what? All bill fishing goes to all release, as it did last year for a month, for the government to go back and verify that we had exceeded that quota. It turned out, fortunately, while we came very close, we didn't exceed it. There was a computer calculating problem. This year, some of the tournaments that had landed more white marlin than before have taken the initiative on their own to increase minimum size, which is very good that within the industry they're doing this. But remember, when you're out of the country particularly, those laws follow you. So, you know, release the fish if you want to keep fishing in the United States and you want those big money tournaments to still be able to pay out. Extremely insightful. And those, you know, those numbers, it's a great point. We think when we leave the country that we're not reporting to the U.S. So I'm really glad that you brought that to light. Talk to me about what does the Billfish Foundation need? It needs support. Um, it needs it needs support not only from our community, uh, but from our from our government as well as other governments. That needs it. We need um, we need people to understand what we're doing is for them, and especially in our community. Uh, I think a lot of it gets forgotten that we're there and you know we're there on the dock sometimes and we're here in our office and sometimes people forget that Ellen myself and the rest of the staff we work really hard and like she was saying before we do it all for this community we do it for the love of the community 
yes, there there are other extenuating circumstances, right? Obviously, but the support that comes from uh, from individuals, organizations, clubs, whether it's financial, in kind, is huge because we can we can then utilize that and play off that to help achieve our goals. And um, like I said, from the smallest fifty dollar member to or to the legacy level member to um, to the sponsorship of our gala like HMY does, those are all huge. Those small little things are all huge for us, big and small, excuse me, are all great for us. And I think we mentioned it before, you know, $50 might sound like a lot to some people, but if you want to break it down, it's 14 cents a day. 14 cents. That's We're not asking for, uh, you know, a new beautiful Viking, 63, which would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to ride on that someday. <laughs> but, you know, we would love, you know, for you guys to think about, hey, instead of, um, you know, when you're out and about with your friends, okay, hey, we're really enjoying this tournament. We're really enjoying this community. We're really enjoying this atmosphere and the fishing that we're getting. It's all because of the hard work that the foundation is doing to achieve that feeling. Right and. There. It's not only giving money, which is hugely important in any entity, but once you join, make sure you stay in contact. We not only would like to see you tag, we'd like to see you send in photos of juvenile billfish and where they were caught, and be ready when we have an action alert to send letters to Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And we always have the letters pre-written. All you have to do is go on our website and click the button. But take an interest and understand how it's directly connected to you, your excitement, or perhaps your job. I'm going to do a call to action right now. We get fishing licenses every year. Why not, right when you do your fishing license, every year, you know, renew your membership, become, you know, a lifetime member, donate even more to the Billfish Foundation. Because what people don't know or might not know is that there are incentives. There are, there's an award ceremony for the top tagged female, um, you know, that there's also the top um, male that tags the most billfish. There's also, you know, the top overall. There's a lot, you know, of people being recognized for what they're doing. Yeah, we have, when we're talking about the, you know, the tag and release program specifically, there are over, I think, 85 categories that you can win, not only ocean-wide, but regionally. So we have regional South South Florida. We also have Hawaii-specific, but then we have all Atlantic Ocean-wide, Pacific, Indian Ocean. And we've had some big names win um, from, you know, the Yates, uh, uh, sorry, the 8-8s, um, the boat 8-8s. Uh, Shout out Viking Yachts. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then we have a number of other, you know, people that have won um, all these great awards. We really try to recognize those people that do good work. And even if you don't win an award, let's say you do release, you do get a release certificate as well. It's a beautiful release certificate that uh, we know, I know I have a uh, framed it and put it on my wall so people can see it as well. If you do happen to win an award, that's even better. Um, but then the other aspect too is I'd like to think there's an intrinsic aspect or reward and knowing that you're doing really good and you're getting a little pat on the back for it isn't really nice, but getting that intrinsic award of knowing that you're doing really well and helping a foundation, helping a community really uh, to achieve 
not only leaving it where it is, but leaving it better when you leave. And remember, we also have youth awards. And what better way to introduce children to the importance of the ocean, the fun of sport fishing and boating, but to take them out. If you get a chance, tag a fish. If you don't, at least release it. That thrill for them is going to mean a great deal. Absolutely. And I want to hear about the gala, you know, that the Billfish Foundation, but <laughs> I've been to this at least three times. It is absolutely the most look forward to event for me. It's during the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show. That's just got so much hype around it as it is. And you guys do an amazing job with that. Tell us about that. What's going to happen this year? You know, there's always a theme. There's a wild live auction. There's a silent auction. I'm always bidding. Tell everybody that's never been what that looks like. Hey, it's a hearty party. (laughs) In fact, it is the best party in Fort Lauderdale during the Fort Lauderdale Boat Show. Agreed. It has such a reputation, and this year's theme is fun and outer space. So we expect to see aliens, a lot of stormtroopers, and anything else you can, you know, cultivate. Get creative. Yeah. So we hope you join us on October 29th at Harbor Beach Marriott, Fort Lauderdale Beach. And one of the highlights is that Pat Healy is the live (laughs) auctioneer, and he does a fabulous job. Yeah, I like to say it's it's a really fun event. It's not stuffy at all. People get dressed up. You don't have to if you don't want to. Uh, typically, Ellen, myself, and the staff will get dressed up because it's just fun. Uh, but uh, you know, it can be from since it's a space theme, it can be you know from Star Trek, Star Wars, Mandalorian, r- really any and everything. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy um, kind of thing. Uh, it's always a lot of fun. Um, and we really hope to see you out there. I think it's October 29th at 6 p.m. at the Harbor Beach Marriott. And there's incredible trips on the silent auction that I was saying I bet on. Like there's, you know, Casa Vieja. There's many amazing, there's Costa Rica. There's so many fishing destinations and it's not just fishing. There's amazing jewelry. There's everything across the board. It's something you want to go to. You're going to have a blast. You're never going to regret it. So please attend that. And obviously the cost, you know, associated with that goes right back to what she said. Ellen hit it right on the head. It goes straight back into the water. And most importantly, please tell everyone where they can find all this information we're talking about today on the Billfish Foundation, you know, as far as where they can go get the tags, where can they buy the tag stick? You know, I think everything is pretty much easy. I've been on the website multiple times. It's very user-friendly. Is that the best place for everyone to go? Yeah, I'd say the the easiest place to go is our main website, which is www.billfish.org. There they can learn about how to actually tag, uh, where to purchase tags. If they want to report a catch, they can do that there. If they want to learn about all the news uh, coming out as well, you can do that. If they want to join, they can do that there as well. so everything is there uh, f- for ease, hopefully, uh, for everyone to, to find out any more information about us. I- I'd also say, too, on there is if you want to be updated currently all the time about TBF, obviously join our social media on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn as well. What is your Instagram handle? Uh, the Instagram handle is uh, the Billfish Foundation, um, and our Twitter handle is... Uh, Fish TBF, I believe. Um, 
Uh, so it's all on there. Uh, our YouTube channel has a bunch of different playlists for people to learn how to tag, how to report, how to identify different billfish species as well as tuna species. There's a lot of really good information out there. But here's the other thing too. Um, if there's content that the audience wants us to begin to put out there, feel free to let us know. We are always open to listening to our constituents and saying, okay, you want to learn more about X, Word, and Z? Great. Let's, we'll start to create something like that as I well. I love that. Can you please give your personal contact, each of you, so that people can send any suggestions or more questions that they have for you? Sure. So I think um, the best one to reach all of us would be tbf at billfish.org. Um, and that's B-I-L-L-F-I-S-H, just in case. But that way it goes to Ellen and myself, and then we can answer any questions for you, whether it's on content, whether it's on policy, whether it's on science, we're happy to answer questions for you. Or if you just have a concern, if you're seeing something out there that doesn't look right and that we should be aware of, let us know. Remember, we are your voice. You can find all of this in the description. Please go become a member, donate. Thank you both so much for your time, for your knowledge. This is, you know, you cannot put a value on the amount of hours and knowledge that you guys have cultivated and the fight that you continue, you know, to push forward with. And we thank you. You are creating so many memories for you know, grandchildren for the future of sport fishing. And I just want to say thank you. And we could not have been happier to have you today. Well, thank you for having us, but particularly thank each of you who are listening and tuning in. We can't sit down and have a beer with you and hash all this out, but thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much for having us. We really, we really appreciate the time. And HMI will continue to always be a sponsor. I want to make sure that that's noted that we have always have been and always will be. You're great. Thank you. Thank you.